Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is some of our thoughts. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is some of our thoughts. <laughs> so today, episode four. Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is the wine we'll be talking about today. Thrilled about it. We have an amazing food pairing. Steak. Steak. And an amazing vinyl pairing. Iggy Pop. Amen. Ugh, oh, cannot wait. We've just been like so excited about this one all day. Yes, we have. We have. I'm just geeking out. <laughs> <laughs> so Nebbiolo is maybe, well, it's top three favorite varietals for me. And me. Mm-hmm. Both it's of us. So good. So good. Every time one of us is in a major city, we always peruse and look at the Nebbioli. Nebbioli. I said Nebbioli. Again. Oh, she wrote it (laughs) earlier today too. Literally in the notes. And I went, what's wrong with me? So much. (laughs) So much. Nebbiolo. 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 We have this really great bottle that we're revisiting that um, I guess was one of my Christmas presents to you. It was. It was. A sixer of Nebbies. What a gift, right? Am I right? Yeah. What a gift. It was like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like three things of wine. And your mom was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sarah was thrilled. I was. So Nebbiolo. Nebbiolo is one of Italy's top reds made famous by the Barolo region of Piedmont. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have one wine from Piedmont and one wine from Lombardy, which are two very mm-hmm. predominant northern regions and most well-known for Nebbiolo. Mm-hmm. So this Nebbiolo, you want to say the bottle name? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say our Pepe. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, our Pepe, our Pepe, our Pepe, our Pepe. The uh, Pepe. <laughs> yeah, that's aggressive. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, the uh, the vineyard itself is called the Rosso di Valtellina, which is a very specific part of the Lombardy region, and um, it's known for its acidic sand. That the grape vines grow in. And this is the 2019 vintage in particular. When you're looking at this label, 
there's a long, skinny, really, really bright blood red label with a, I guess, a box inside of that. And it looks like a bunch of tally marks almost. It's a really cool label because it's super simple, but it's really, really eye-catching and appealing. The cork also has the name Arpepe with a bunch of the, the slashes on it as well. And it just, I don't know, it's a very distinguishable bottle. You can just spot it really easily quickly it has the blue tag of for the doc across the um around the neck mm-hmm. which is what i always look for when i'm in the italian section definitely that's the very specific um appellation that oops notes for days ma'am notes for days man episodes for days man Episodes for days. True that. Anyway, it's a blue tag. <laughs> it's a blue tag. Blue and white tag. Blue, gray, white tag. So this wine in particular, when we opened it up and poured it, just smelling it, we both looked at each other and went, cherry bomb! We did. The runaways. But truly, oh my goodness. Cherry on the nose. Cherry on the palate. It's pretty tannic, but... 2019 is definitely considered a young Nebbiolo, so I think that's really why. It would age absolutely beautiful, this bottle, but I like young Nebbiolos. And also we're impatient. Mostly that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that's a really great thing to get to talk about with this specific grape varietal. Um, The other bottle that we're going to talk about later is another exceptional bottle for aging. And Mm -hmm. not all wine is ageable. I think that that's really important to say right away. Just like not all wine is suitable or necessarily needs to be decanted, not every single bottle of wine should or could be aged. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the thing that makes it easy to age is it's it's got, it's really, in the structure of the grape, like DNA, it's very sturdy. It withstands time and it maintains its integrity. Definitely. In I essence. think I read that the Nebbiolo varietal itself is over 300 years old. Yeah. Is oh, that yeah. right? Mm. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's so great. Very long time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I mean, gosh, just red fruit for days, blackberry and. I don't really get plum. I also, it's been a while since I've like eaten a plum. So I kind of. That's that's really fair. A <laughs> yeah. lot of times when you read literally anything on wine, it, it'll always give you like. Some a, options. Yeah, some options. And it'll always give you like a, mostly if it's a red, it'll give you a fruit option. And then specifically which stone fruit. That's honestly, that's an option a lot. And it's like, oh, plum, nectarine, peach. And it's like. Apricot. Apricot. I'm like, I think I just need to go to the store and buy a bunch of fruit. Truthfully. <laughs> which it really does help. Any any new flavor. Herbs, too. Oh, totally. This Nebula, it has a, a little little herbiness to it. But like yeah. fresh, bright herbs. Maybe like a rosemary or. Maybe not quite. I'm trying to think of these. So I like to think of, of tasting like notes. basil, but basil? like. Basil, yeah. Super, not like super strong basil. I like to think mm-hmm. of tasting notes as like index cards in my brain that I can pull up and say like, what does a strawberry taste like? Am yeah. I getting that here? Right. And right now I, I can't think of plum, but. No, I don't get a lot of plum. But then like maybe some licorice, maybe a little bit of vanilla or leather. Yeah. Um, but cherry, specifically. Cherry. 
We've just had like the best day listening to music and talking about this wine. Specifically to the vinyl pairing we're talking about today. Okay, so um, this, for the Rosso di Valentina, um, Valtellina, my bad, I'm sorry. Um, it made, first made its appearance, it says, in 2003 after a sweltering summer. They were able to isolate this specific um, grape, the Nebbiolo grape, and create this version of that's called the Arpepe. And I, the, I mean, every time you say Arpepe, no, you know Arpepe. what? No, I'm picturing that little shrimp from the Muppets, Pepe. <laughs> Arpepe. And now in my mind, he has a bottle of this wine in a glass. Uh, it's, yep. it's great. We should keep going with it. <laughs> well, so we are English speaking. I have to constantly look up pronunciations on YouTube oh, for everything. And when you're self-taught as we are and just read and see things, I mean, I could be pronouncing this completely wrong, but I don't think I am. I don't think you are either. <laughs> Thanks. I'm choosing to ignore it. And we're just going to continue on like with all the confidence. So this vineyard, how old is this vineyard? This vineyard, oh my gosh, okay, it was <laughs> unbelievably established in 1860. What? Yes. It says it was reborn in 1984, but it's, um, I believe, five generations. Yes, five generations wow. of, in the same family. So it says it was reborn in 1984 and brought up in 2004, which I'm not sure what that means specifically, but it may be like the newer generations <laughs> kind of adapted their winemaking processes or, you know, they, they started updating the DOCs that year for that region of Italy. And maybe they needed or just felt inspired to change some stuff. That's the language that they said on yeah. the website. On the winemaking end, you always find really cool facts about the winemaking in all the wines, at least the, the last few weeks. Like the last one, what was it? Like, oh, a chestnut barrel yes. was crazy yeah. and then I think the one before which it's not I mean it's still pretty common the clay amphoras mm. to ferment their wine in what do these people do because this wine's delicious they use concrete tanks mm. and they are of the opinion and it says in quote in quotes it says it takes the time it takes oh I mean yeah it does yeah if you're doing it correctly yeah honestly um they're also hand harvested um as are all the plant protection processes for that appellation that's the doc in lombardi in valtellina they all have to be hand harvested by the law i wonder how many people are on their team oh i don't know (laughs) it's 13 acres so it's not big it's like That's I mean, not super big. It's no. still a bit of work, but sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, how many tons of grapes do you yield from V and V just on the estate? It's like it eight. Really depends. Sure. Uh, it's been up to nine, I think, yeah. nine or ten. The years I've done it, it was like seven tons, mm-hmm. eight tons. It was definitely less last year because we had that horrible freeze. Yes, like a lot less from the two vineyards, but a little bit of damage. We're hopeful for this year. I am too. I love yeah. V and V. Me too. Shout out work. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the the specific wine, it's 
in Sondrio, Italy. That's in the Lombardy region. And I wish y'all could taste it because it is scrumptious. So I had a little snippet about the different regions of Nebbiolo, like the Southern Piedmont, Northern Piedmont, and Valta, 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 Valtellina? Valtellina? I'd say Valtellina. Valtellina. So Valtellina, it has the notes are more of like cranberry, hibiscus, peony, dried herbs, and clove. And it says, in neighboring Lombardy, Nebbiolo grows in a northern alpine valley that opens to Lake Como. The temperatures are much cooler here, which results in a very elegant Nebbiolo wine with herbal and floral notes and medium tannin. Kind of similar to a cool climate Pinot Noir. Yeah, Which, comparatively, accurate. if you're in northern Piedmont, um, the wines from that part have a lighter, more elegant dry style with softer tannin that's a little more fruity. So that's more like sour cherry, rosehip, tobacco, and leather. And then if you're in southern Piedmont, the boldest and highest tannin expressions of Nebbiolo come from that region, like the Barolo Barbaresco. And it's more of like spices and really ripe roses, licorice, carob, like cacao. A little more earthy. Mm-hmm. A lot more earthy. So, yeah. And ours, if you look at it, it's an absolutely beautiful color, too. It's a really... Ruby. Yeah, super like bright. It's garnet gorgeous. reflections. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. The cool thing, too, if y'all want to have a, a visual picture to think of, any of the Italian countryside, you know, pictures that you would see online or in a book of the terraced... Um, vineyards. Yeah. Where this in Valtellina specifically has very densely planted terraces, and that's just how they have to grow on the side of those hills. So they're not necessarily on a slope. Mm-hmm. They are literally built into the terraces that are tiered going into the hill. That's and super cool. Just a beautiful visual to think of when you're drinking this wine or listening to us talk about it. And we were talking before on the way here actually about, I mentioned the Barolo and Barbaresco. And Carter said to make it short and sweet and like to make it sense. All Barolo is Nebbiolo, but not all Nebbiolo is, is Barolo. 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 Could you explain to our listeners just a little bit? Sure. Barolo has its own DOC. Mm-hmm. And within those, they all have certain requirements that have to be met legally. Yeah. I like wine law, Italian wine law. Wow. So Barolo has a lot of very specific conditions um that have to be met to get that label and essentially it's yeah. like the oprah book club of wine label <laughs> like if <laughs> honestly you, yeah. yeah if you're just wandering the wine section the italian part specifically and mm-hmm. see this blue strip across the neck the brown one is the docg and that's even a step above that's more um intricate and more complex and mm-hmm. um more requirements that need to be met but these are the ones that um, you age for 30 months. I mean, it's a long time to get these yeah. wines. This is like 2019 vintage, for instance. They probably just released it. Probably. it's pro- I mean, it, that's how new it is. And that's yeah. really unusual. I mean, we'll talk about aging on the, the, the other one. But for this specific one, I love it just right out of the bottle. I think it's fresh. I think it's so good. Yummy. We actually had a, we were thinking about doing a third bottle, but we opened it about an hour ago and went, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> I dumped it. Dumped this it in your just, yard. Yeah, this one's just so beautiful. It's like, no, it, it's special. It needs its own. It needs a moment. Tidbit. It does. It needs a moment. Gosh, the color is so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Yummy. Mm. 
So do you want to talk about the other one that we like too? Because that's a, just an interesting little bottle to talk about. Oh, so the name of it, I'll let you say, but I'll describe it a little bit. I say Travellini. Travellini, that's it's right. It's got a little G in there, but I think it's silent. I think I think it is as well. So this bottle was in that six pack of Nebbiolos that Carter gifted me for Christmas as well. So funny. It's yeah. just the cutest little thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this one, this bottle... The glass itself is so wonky. It's hand blown <laughs> and it has little dimples in it and every bottle uh-huh. is different. And they're just like slightly like very <laughs> sleek and then it goes, Whoa, and then it goes back down. <laughs> yeah. If, if it could talk, it would go, Whoa. <laughs> That's what I hear when I see it. God so bless. I. <laughs> I ended up saving and opening this bottle on Christmas Day at my family's house. And it's one of those typical typical Christmases where me and Ryan get there. And now we have a kid, right? So, like, Lucas is there. He's, like, six months old. Um, My mom is running around the kitchen trying to get dinner ready, fighting with her mom, who's, like, 95. (laughs) And somehow, like, hey, it's Christmas. It's family. My dad's, like, flipping through the channels on the TV. You know, it's... It's Christmas in America, Christmas in Texas, for show. They also live on a cattle ranch, so, like, I'm out in the middle of nowhere surrounded by cows. It's great. I, I love doing Christmas. Christmas is the best. Um, so, of course, we unload everything, and me and Ryan just lock eyes knowing, mm-hmm, open up the wonk. And so we grab this. <laughs> Give me that wonk. Give me that wonk. <laughs> we grab this be- this crazy, I don't know, it's a beautiful bottle. I think it's a really awesome bottle. I think it, it might still be somewhere in my house holding water for like a plant or something. Yeah, I think you've propagated some pothos mm-hmm, in there. Definitely. Yeah, it's gotten some use. But we opened it and like, you know, you swirl, you smell, you sip. And then we were like, oh, man, that's man. So, it tasted like Christmas. Oh, it literally tasted lovely. like Christmas. Not so much as like baking spices, but very much like rosemary and thyme and that one i would say tasted more like plum and like red currants it was more a little more jammy like in flavor even though the uh the body was still like probably like medium it was just it was full of flavor it was so good blackberry too it was was really good so a lot darker and nebbiolo Mm -hmm. is a black grape which i think is worth mentioning um for that particular bottle too the grapes are crushed and macerated for about 15 days in stainless steel Mm -hmm. which is pretty common there's the alcoholic fermentation and then the malolactic fermentation that makes it a little bit creamier for sure and then um and it's just those are that's takes place in stainless steel tanks at a controlled temperature which is very common but this is the one that they age for 30 months in slovenian oak casks slovenian slovenian yeah just dropping knowledge bombs all over you right now the um I'm just thinking about Luka Doncic, and she said Slovenian. (laughs) I'm going to be a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, and they're all different sizes, too, which I think is interesting because this is a – it's a pretty small operation from what I've gathered off their website. They have different sizes to kind of experiment for their tasting trials. Oh, wow. And they typically will go to the smaller Slovenian oak cast – or Slovenian, yeah – 
because they can concentrate it, which is unusual. And 30 months is a very long time to age a wine before they... That's a really interesting process. That's right. I've never heard of that. And then they still, for an additional few months of refinement um, before they release it in the bottle, about three or four extra months after that 30-month oak (laughs) soak. Oak soak? (laughs) Amazing. So... We don't have that one in the room with us, we but don't. we felt really inspired to talk about it because it was such a cool bottle. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to find it. That one has the DOC approval as well, and um, I I just picked them up at Central Market in Austin. Both of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. both of these, yeah. Would you like to do? Do you want to do food next or vinyl? Let's talk about steaks because I yeah. am so like into steaks. <laughs> I was about to say something. Like, where are we going with this? <laughs> Had to really rein it in there. <laughs> so we have this thing every Sunday after we record. We'll get in the car all hyped and pumped about, oh, my God, that was it's the best so episode ever. It's every episode is the best episode ever. Also, I think so. Too. After we finish, we're like, that was the best one ever. <laughs> that was the best one yet. Oh, my God. We deserve a steak. <laughs> yes. Wagyu. Every Sunday, we're like, um, steaks? Always. And it always water. happens. Yeah. So we love steak. It's a love language in itself. Yes. (laughs) So I am extremely spoiled, once again, by Ryan, my other half. He's an amazing cook, but his fried chicken, superior. His steaks, I cannot go to a fine dining restaurant anymore Anymore. and order a steak because I just end up pissed. Yeah, furious. It is Same. not anywhere near as good. He has ruined our lives. He's ruined our lives. <laughs> and you know, at first I thought maybe he's just cooking my steak perfectly because like he knows me so well. Yeah, that's beautiful. But then he started cooking steaks oh, for, for you, mm-hmm. for Carter. And yeah. then I was like, Ooh. you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, okay, he's just like, he's got it. Yeah, he's got, he's got it. He has that weird like magic when he's cooking something. Well, no, not when he's cooking something. When he's making steak where he'll go, it's ready. Yeah. Oh, it's like, he yeah. He just knows. It's like everything shifts and like, it's like a feeling. It's like, uh huh. Yep, it's done. And if you know Ryan, you know he's a little <laughs> scatterbrained. <laughs> a little. Just a little. It's amazing. It's part of why I love him because I am also. But we both have like our things. And for him, it's the timing on a steak. He's got it. <laughs> or any meat, actually. Yeah. No, he's he... good at cooking meat. That's why I like never do. <laughs> right. So his method, he does a reverse sear method. Mm. And we've tried a few other ones, but for us, it it just always cooks perfectly this way. And it cooks evenly all the way through, which is really key if you're cooking a really great steak. So I have a recipe for a New York strip and for a filet mignon. And the only thing that's different is the oven time and then uh, the temperature of the oven as well. So what you're going to need is either your filet mignons, your New York strips, however many you're doing. I would do like no more than three at a time usually. You want to season them. You want to, I'm sorry, let them rest after you get them, when you get them fresh from the butcher, and especially if you take them out of the fridge, if they've been in there for a little bit, let them rest to room temperature, which usually takes about 30 minutes or so. It's so important. It's extremely important. And what that's going to do is it's going to make it, make it have a really nice, beautiful, and crispy outer skin once crispy. you cook it. Crispy. Oh, crispy, crispy. It's so freaking good. So you get your filet. You get your New York strip out. You want to pat it dry after it's properly at room temperature. And then you want to coat it in oil. We usually do olive oil. 
coat it in olive oil and then salt it and then use pepper. I always use just cracked pepper. And for salt, before you cook it, I'm not going to do a finishing salt. Don't worry. Just some nice sea salt or like Himalayan pink salt is great. I actually thought the Maldon on that steak he made us in September. And mm. it's like the steak from September. It yeah. was like so legendary. <laughs> I think it was September 30th. Like I remember the yeah. day. <laughs> So good. The finishing salt was great on that one, mm-hmm. but you don't need it on every steak. You don't have to. A little bit at the end is just, it's also really nice to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, crack pepper. Get yourself a, a pepper mill, crack it. It does not have to be fancy again. Don't think about the like two foot wooden ones they have in restaurants. Like just get one where you can put crushed red pepper corns in it and, and then you have cracked pepper. <laughs> Precisely. So if you're doing, if you're cooking a New York strip, you want to cook it for 12 minutes on 300 degrees. If you're doing a filet mignon, you want to cook it for 30 minutes at 200 degrees. Um, they're obviously different cuts of meat, and filet is usually a lot thicker, and that's why that temperature change is going to come in. And you're going to cook it on top of a cooling rack. It's like a cookie sheet, and then you do that wire rack on top. That's what you're going to cook it on. So after you season it, salt, pepper, you're going to bake it for those times. And then after you're done with that, when it's almost finished, you need to have a cast iron skillet heated up really hot. Because what you're going to do is after you bake those steaks, they're immediately going to go from that cooling rack, that baking sheet, and it's going to be seared on both sides in a cast iron skillet with the high smoke point oil for one minute. And then you're going to add half a stick of butter, one whole garlic clove, and then it's your choice of sprigs of herbs. We usually do rosemary, some thyme. Honestly, that's usually it because I, I love rosemary. And it doesn't really pick up a ton of flavor, but just enough to have a little hint of it. And with that garlic, it's so good. And then you're going to reduce the heat after you've added all that stuff. You're going to reduce the heat to medium while basting and flipping those steaks for two to three minutes. Then you're going to take them off the skillet. You're going to rest it for five minutes. We always say rest it for no more than five minutes. It might be a little bit juicier, but you want your steak hot, right? Hot. Hot. And the longer it sits there, the more, like, lukewarm it's getting. So serve it hot. I would only do a five-minute rest for it. And then you're going to slice it, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be perfection. So You're welcome. Right? (laughs) My favorite way to eat filet mignon, which is what we usually get, Carter and I. Ryan always does a New York strip, and then we usually get filets. We boozy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So my favorite way to eat steak, a few different ways, but with a Nebbiolo in particular that Nebbiolo, the particular that Valentina bottle we're talking about, because it's kind of an astringent, grippy, light Nebbiolo with those bright cherry flavors, you want something really heavy to pair with it so it kind of cuts through the fat and it, it really pairs beautifully. So I like to make a creamy polenta with a mushroom sauce and then put all that in a bowl and then put the steak on top of it in strips. So for my creamy polenta... Thank you, Jida De Laurentiis from mm. Food Network. She is so good. She has 8,000 teeth, if you've ever seen her smile. Big, beautiful, pearly They're whites. perfect, beautiful yeah. teeth, yeah. She She's has one so of those beautiful. happy faces where I'm like, oh, I do want to cook like you. <laughs> I want to be like you. <laughs> I grew up watching her with my mom, and I've just always Me really, too. Yeah, I've always really liked her. She was like my first Food Network like, yeah. babe. Um, oh, God, what's the other lady that like makes the cocktails at the end? 
Sandy something or other. Oh, I thought you were talking about Ina Garden. <laughs> oh, I love her. It's literally like WW. Oh, I think her name is Sandra Lee. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she like jailbroke like cookie box mixes. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. anyway, I'm so <laughs> off topic. Sorry. <laughs> My, the creamy polenta recipe from Jida. You need six cups of water, two teaspoons of salt, one and three-fourths cup of yellow cornmeal. I use Bob Mills. And then her recipe says three tablespoons of butter. Well, your girl usually uses a whole stick. Cuts, too. <laughs> it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you boil six cups of water with the salt. Bring that to a high boil for a couple minutes. And then you're going to slowly stir in and whisk your polenta, that yellow cornmeal, that is. You're going to whisk it. You're going to put a lid on it. Let it do its thing for five, ten minutes. You're going to open it. You're going to whisk it. You basically repeat this whole process for about 20 to 30 minutes is how long I usually do it, honestly. I'll check it. I'll stir it. And then I'll slowly add the butter. Like, I'll cut it into little cubes. And then I'll slowly add it. But I honestly do use, like, an entire stick of butter. That's why it's so good. It makes it so creamy. It's the perfect vehicle to just, like, pop everything into your mouth it's such a such a great bite i think it's also worth it to say sarah will always add extra butter and extra garlic and if you mm-hmm. if you love garlic you just gotta lean into the garlic <laughs> do it like i do love garlic always just <laughs> twice what they recommend mm-hmm. if you're a flavor lover food lover yeah. like we are and oh if you have cheese like a really nice parmesan mm-hmm. or um, any type of like hard nutty cheese like an what italian about that cheese? orange one that we had I wish I could remember. Oh, I don't know what it was called. But yeah, like just an experiment with different cheeses too Mm -hmm. with wines. Oh my gosh, what a fun night that is. Yep. (laughs) Whisk the cheese in too, and it's just going to make that texture so nice. So you got your steak, you got your polenta. Also, as you're making your polenta, because like I said, it usually takes me about 30 minutes, I'll do that quick little mushroom sauce. So I just slice and dice, or slice some mushrooms, just like Bella mushrooms typically is all you need. Slice it, sear it in some olive oil um, so it has a nice little char on it, and then add a little bit of the wine that you're drinking, that Nebbiolo, and all you're going to do is cook that over high heat for about 10, 15 minutes or so, and then lower it, and it's just going to thicken a little bit, and that's what you're going to put on top of your polenta. So you got your bowl, your creamy polenta, your mushroom sauce, and then you're going to lay those steak slices on top of it. With your Nebbiolo. And then we're going to listen to... Raw Power by Iggy and the Stooges. Amen. So Sarah and I love Almost Famous. We actually listened to the soundtrack on your birthday and just kept flipping the album back and forth. Yes, we did. Such a great soundtrack. But Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in power, King. He is... I live my life as a living tribute to that man, I think. (laughs) That character, Lester Bangs. Literally hear her say it every time <laughs> I think of his name, which is often. I hear Sarah go, Lester Bangs. <laughs> she texted me that this morning. You have to say Lester Bangs in your voice. And I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then as soon as I said it, you were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Lester Bangs voice. <laughs> so at the very beginning of the movie, if in case you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it immediately if that's the case. Um, in Almost Famous... 
the kid walks up to the window where he's like recording the studio bit, like in the record, like in the radio station. And he goes, give me the guess who give me, they had the, they had the courage to be drunken buffoons. <laughs> and we listened to that on the way over here. We're both just like, God, it's so good. And he goes, Iggy pop. Amen. And we just had to pick it for this wine. It was just a give it. Like, it just made sense. It makes sense, guys. And then he, like, puts the record on in the movie, and they're like, oh. it's 10 a.m. Isn't it a little early for that? Not His for me. Fa- yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. So I, good. Yeah, it's so good. And, like, I recognize the first track of this album off. It's called Search and Destroy. Mm-hmm. Off of the life aquatic, which is such a great scene because that's when yeah. he goes, Get the hell off of my boat! And he like <laughs> grabs that guy's gun, and it's just all of a sudden like this shootout with Bill Murray. <laughs> Another iconic, legendary moment. And it just, there's, there were so many tracks on there that it was just fun to listen to today. Mm-hmm. Like, we listened, we were drinking this wine outside and like it's february right now february 27th the sun was shining it was warm <laughs> enough we were like enjoying your patio before so we nice. came here and it was just happy it's just happiness mm-hmm. and this bottle also is gonna look really cool next to that vinyl cover <laughs> oh yeah we'll post it on the instagram don't worry you about it see it well guys I hope you had fun. I know I did. I certainly did. Any last-minute tidbits, Carter? Um, no, I had a lot of information on that um, that second bottle that we were talking about, the, the little wonky dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I maybe got a chance to really um, mention it's from Piedmont, which is another mm. major northern Italian wine region. Yeah. Um, that particular... Uh, family it's called the Taub family t-a-u-b and they are four generations on a 59 acre vineyard oh wow and 55 of those acres are dedicated to vines which is kind of like vmv in the sense that y'all have a lot of land that isn't mm-hmm. a actual like vine yeah but you have you know the farm you have the goats <laughs> you have a barn i mean and that's a, that's pretty common but there's only I mean, that's the majority of their land, and it's wow. been there for quite some time. We call it Big Red. They call it Big Red. They call it Big Red? Yeah, that's that cute. bottle, it's called Big Red. <laughs> very bold, very tannic. They said that that particular bottle, the reason they do the hand-blown glass is because it traps the tannins better. What? Right. And that's just kind of cute, considering the bottle is such a, a visual appeal to, you know, like picking it out. When yes. I was... Standing in the wine section buying, you know, wine for you. I was buying like six Nebbiolos. You know, you're my best friend. I can spoil you if I want to. I'm not complaining. And clearly, look, now we're talking about it on our podcast. So full the, circle. Full circle. Um, it's just it's just a really cool one of our favorite grape varietals, one of our favorite parts of the world. I love Italy. I think about it and it Brings a tear to my eye. I can't wait to go back. <laughs> and hopefully... I can't wait to go. Yeah. And I was going to say, <laughs> we should go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, but yeah, just really beautiful mountainous. Um, and then I just think of these these tiered terraces with all of these grapes in like a beautiful Italian sunset. And I'm going to have a sip and just... As you should. Let that moment sink in. <laughs> Amazing. Well, 
Thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, grab your favorite glass, put on your favorite record. Let's have some fun. Cheers. Clink. Clink. <laughs> <laughs>